Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left off on Monday with the rape of Tamar. Amnon, David's eldest son, the son of Ahinoam of Jezreel, raped his sister Tamar. Tamar was the sister of Absalom, the son of Maaka, daughter of Talmai, king of Gesher. Absalom killed Amnon in revenge and went on the run. He went to Gesher, to his grandfather, who was king of Gesher, and stayed there for three years. All the while, David mourned Absalom. Notice he didn't mourn Amnon. He was consoled concerning Amnon's death, we read. I think David felt glad to be rid of him. But David loved Absalom because Absalom was a man just like David. Now, what will happen? We turn now to 2 Samuel chapter 14. Joab, son of Zariah, David's commanding general, knew that the king's heart longed for Absalom. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa, Tekoa, south of Jerusalem and south of Bethlehem. Bethlehem's about seven kilometers south of Jerusalem, and if you go all the way to the far end, the southern end of Bethlehem, there's a cliff overlooking a valley. And if you look down through the valley on a very clear day, you can see Hebron. But about midway in that valley is a hill, a tell, an unexcavated tell, and that's Tekoa. Another person from Tekoa was the prophet Amos. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa and had a wise woman brought from there. He said to her, Now here's what I want you to do. Pretend you're in mourning. Dress in mourning clothes and don't use any cosmetic lotions. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. Then go to the king and speak these words to him. And Joab told her what to say. So when the woman from Tekoa went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor. And she said, help me, O king. So we have another scene, a courtroom scene with David holding court. He looks at the next case and it's the old woman from Tekoa. Help me, O king. And David asked her, what's troubling you? She said, I am indeed a widow. My husband is dead. I, your servant, had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in the field. No one was there to separate them. One struck the other and killed him. A Cain and Abel story. (laughs) Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant. They say, hand over the one who struck his brother down so we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. Then we'll get rid of the air as well. They would put out the only burning coal I have left, leaving my husband neither named nor descended on the face of the earth. The king said to the woman, Go home and I will issue an order on your behalf. But the woman from Tekoa said to him, My lord the king, Let the blame rest on me and on my father's family, and let the king and his throne be without guilt. And the king replied, 
If anyone says anything to you, bring him to me, and I can assure you he won't bother you again. She said, Then let the king invoke the Lord his God to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed. As surely as the Lord lives, David replied, not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. And then the woman said, Let your servant speak a word to my lord the king. Speak, he replied. And the woman said, Why then have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does he not convict himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son, Absalom. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But God does not take away life. Instead, he devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him. And now I have come to say this to my lord the king, because the people have made me afraid." Your servant thought, I will speak to the king. Perhaps he will do what his servant asks. Perhaps the king will agree to deliver his servant from the hand of the man who is trying to cut off both me and my son from the inheritance God gave us. And now your servant says, May the word of my lord the king bring me rest, for my lord the king is like, like an angel of God in discerning good and evil. May the lord your God be with you. And then the king said to the woman, and do not keep from me the answer to what I'm going to ask you. Let my lord the king speak, she replied. And David asked, Is the hand of Joab with you in all of this? And I can just imagine Joab hiding behind the curtains in the hearing room, his big boots sticking out underneath the curtains, and David glancing over at it. Did Joab put you up to this? And the woman answered, As surely as you live, my lord the king, no one can turn right or left from anything my lord the king says. Yes, it was your servant Joab who instructed me to do this and who put all these words into the mouth of your servant. Your servant Joab did this to change the present situation. My lord has wisdom like that of an angel of God. He knows everything that happens in the land. <laughs> How could I think I would have pulled this over? The king said to Joab, uh, Joab, come out from the curtains there, huh? Very well, I'll do it. Go bring back the young man Absalom. Joab fell with his face to the ground to pay him honor, and he blessed the king. Joab said, Today your servant knows that he has found favor in your eyes, my lord the king, because the king has granted his servant request. Then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king said, He must go to his own house. He must not see my face. So Absalom went to his own house and did not see the face of of the king. David wanted badly for Absalom to be back home. But David's a king. Absalom had his brother Amnon murdered. Absalom fled and took political asylum with his grandfather, 
Talmai, king of Gesher. I can forgive my son, but politically, I can't reinstate him in the line of the kings. Now, in all Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. He looked regal. He was extraordinary. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. And whenever he cut the hair of his head, he used to cut his hair from time to time when it became too heavy for him, he would weigh it. And its weight was 200 shekels. When he cut his hair, there'd be five pounds of hair on the floor. He was tall, handsome, long, flowing, dark hair. Rather reminds you of King Saul, doesn't it? Three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. The daughter's name, get this, was Tamar. And she became a beautiful woman. Absalom had a daughter and named her after his sister Tamar. Tamar, presumably still living with Absalom. Can you picture the scene? Absalom holding his newly born daughter and going into Tamar's room and, and saying, here, I have a daughter. And Tamar holding that little girl, looking into her eyes. And she said to Absalom, what's her name? And Absalom looked at Tamar and said, Tamar. Tears sprung to Tamar's eyes, and she wept as she held that little girl in her arms. Tamar would never have a child of her own. But this child, her little niece, she loved. Well, Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Two years. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come. He sent a second time, but he refused to come then. Hey, Joab did everything for Absalom, arranging to bring him back, going all the way up to Gesher to get him, arranging his forgiveness. But enough's enough. Joab did not go to Absalom's house Again, Absalom, what's this? I sent for Joab twice. He refuses to come. He said to his servants, look, Joab's field is next to mine. They, they were neighbors. He has barley there. Set the field on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab went to Absalom's house. He said, what have you done? Why did you set my field on fire? And Absalom said to Joab, look, I sent word to you. I said, come here so I can send you to the king to ask, why have I come back from Gesher? It'd be better for me if I were still there. You, my father won't even see me. Now, I want to see the king. And if I'm guilty of anything, let him put me to death himself. 
Joab went to the king, and he told him all this. And then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Absalom lived with his grandfather in Gesher for three years. He's back in Jerusalem for two. He hadn't seen his father in five years. Finally, they're reconciled. Perhaps. David loved Absalom. Absalom, I think, was his favorite son. Amnon's gone. Kialab is really not in the picture. I think of him like uh, Fredo and the Godfather. Absalom would be David's choice for king. And now Absalom is back. But Absalom grew a bitter root. Absalom despised his father. First, for not taking revenge, not doing anything about Amnon raping Tamar. Two years went by, nothing happened. And then Absalom banished? No, Absalom stewed in that juice for five years. And now, chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, in the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and 50 men to run ahead of him. He'd get up early, stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. And whenever anyone came on court day with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out. And remember Absalom? Handsome young man, long flowing hair. Absalom would call out, Yo, my friend, what town are you from? And he'd answer, Oh, your servant's from one of the tribes of Israel, such and such a place. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, I've heard about your problems, and your claims are valid and proper, but you won't get justice in there. There's no, no representative of the king to hear you. He doesn't care about you. And Absalom would add, Now, if I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who had a complaint or a case would come to me, and I'd see that he gets justice. If I were the king, things would be different around here. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of it, kiss him, bring him to his feet. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Remember the heart-shaped bread that Tamar gave to Amnon? We have a little play going on here beneath the surface of our text. Well, at the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, at the end of four years, so three years under political exile in Gesher, two years 
back in Jerusalem, but not being able to see his father. That's five. Four years of now campaigning for the kingship, if you will, right at the front gate of the palace. So nine years have passed. Eleven years since the rape of Tamar. Absalom can't let this thing go. He said to the king, let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. While I was living in Gesher, I made this vow, and if the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I'll worship the Lord in Hebron. Why Hebron? That's the tomb of Abraham and, and Sarah, uh, of the patriarchs. The king said to him, Of course, go in peace. So Absalom went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. There's a coup d'etat about to happen here. Now, while Absalom was offering sacrifice, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following kept on increasing. Absalom is now in Hebron, and he sent for David's senior political advisor, Ahithophel, the Gilonite. Ahithophel was to David what Henry Kissinger was to Richard Nixon, a brilliant political and strategic advisor. We'll learn more about him as our story continues. A messenger came and told David, the hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. And then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, come, we must flee, or none will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he'll move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us and put the city to the sword. What? Have you ever witnessed David fleeing from a, a battle? David won't even put up a fight. We must go now. We must run. The king's officials answered, your servants are ready to do whatever the Lord, our, our Lord the king chooses. I, it's up to you, but I, I, we don't understand this. But the king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him along with the Carathites and Pelethites. They were the mercenaries from David's mercenary days, his private personal bodyguard. And all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. These are men who went back with David way back to the outlaw days. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You're a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You, you only came recently, you know, in my lifetime. You're, you're not long-time Israelites here. Today, I'll make you wander around with us. 
when I have no idea where I'm going or what I'm going to do? No, go back and take your countrymen. And may kindness and faithfulness be with you. Ithai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be. We are not leaving you. We joined up with you way back in the day, and we are not going to leave you now. So Ithai the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king crossed the Kidron Valley, and all the people moved on toward the desert, down toward Jericho. Zadok was there too, and all the Levites who were with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until the people had finished leaving the city. And then the king said to Zadok, Take the ark of God back to the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he'll bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he, God, says, I'm not pleased with you, then I'm ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, Aren't you a seer? Go back to the city in peace with your son, Ahimaz, and Jonathan, son of Abiathar. You and Abiathar take your two sons with you. I'll wait at the fords in the desert until word comes from you to inform me. I'll wait down opposite Jericho, right by the Jordan River, the fording point. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of God back to Jerusalem and stayed there. But David Continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, his head covered, he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went. Now David had been told, Ahithophel is among conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, O Lord, turn Ahithophel's counsel into foolishness. When David arrived at the summit where people used to worship God, Hushai the archite was there to meet him, his robe torn, dust on his head. And David said to him, if you go with me, you'll be a burden to me. If you return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I'll be your servant. Then you can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. Won't the priests Zadok and Abiathar be there with you? Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. Their two sons, Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, and Jonathan, son of Abiathar, are there with them. Send them to me with anything you hear. So David's friend Hushai arrived at Jerusalem as Absalom was entering the city. Absalom and his army move into Jerusalem without a fight. David flees down the road to Jericho. But he needs people. He needs ears in the palace. He sends men who are loyal to him, unquestionably loyal, to stay with Absalom and report what they hear. And that is exactly what they do. That brings us right to the end of Wednesday's podcast. And oh, just wait until Friday. 
Why would Ahithophel turn on David? Why would he do that? We shall find out on Friday. Bye-bye now.